0: Griner Auto Body of Washington, Iowa, using state-of-the-art techniques and decades of experience to get your car back on the road after an accident and Car Doctor of Washington, Iowa. No matter who Frankensteined it, they can fix and clean and customize it. Present Round Guy Radio Southeast Iowa Today. I'm John Bain, author of Christie's Journey, The Beat Goes On, and your host, On today's episode, I'm visiting with Executive Director of Paws and More, Amber Talbot. Well, I am in the patio of Paws and More right here in Washington. And Amber, welcome to Southeast Iowa today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, um, you're quite welcome. You've got always a lot of things going on in, uh, at Paws and More. And Paws and More, uh, if I describe this correctly for our listeners that may not know, it's a no-kill animal shelter in Washington, Iowa, that serves virtually all of Washington County and other surrounding counties. Do I have that correct?
1: That is true. We have a wide range of animals that we help. We help in even Lewis County, and Jefferson County, Henry County, and Keokut County, um, including our entire Washington area.
0: Well, it's just incredible. And um, as we were able to sit out here in the patio today, I got to go through the area where you have all the cats um, in their nice little homes. And I, see, I can see them right now, and some of them are just... Well, basically all of them are nice and relaxed right now. It must be siesta time.
1: Yeah, after we get their daily care done and get them all cleaned and fed in the morning the afternoon, they get to just relax and let the public come in and pet them and play, and then it's nap time, so...
0: Yeah. And I got to meet one of a a new visitor that is probably more of a senior animal, but uh, still seems spry in many ways today. So, and that is like a Chihuahua dachshund mix. And my brother has a dog like that. And his, his, I got to say, give a shout out to Chopper for that. That's my brother's dog's name. But anyway, you've got all dogs here and, and cats and just all kinds of, you know, Kinds of those and kinds of those, that kind of sounds funny, but different cats and dogs, colors and ages and everything else. Uh, Tell me more about Paws and More.
1: Sure. One of the things people don't realize is that we do help uh, different kinds of animals. We have small pets. Bunnies, we even had a chinchilla this year. You would be amazed at how many birds with clipped wings come in that are found in Sunset Park. Um, and so we do get a fair amount of the pocket pets into our facility as well. Um, but in general, I mean, we primarily house cats and dogs. We help about 900 animals a year come through our doors. Um, we have such a wide range of programs. Um, you know, the ones that actually come through our door to be To stay with us and get adopted is a little bit over 900 on average every year. But then our programming, um, we help well over 1,000 animals a year through our programming, which one of the big ones that we do that we talk a lot about is our spay-neuter program. So we help the public get their pets fixed for a very reasonable amount of money through the Iowa Humane Alliance. It's a very low-cost spay-neuter program. Um, and we do on average about 50 public surgeries every month, and that is separate from our shelter animals that need care and surgery. So, um, that takes a lot of scheduling and coordination. I would say every day our phone is ringing with multiple appointments that we're making daily for our surgery spots that are open.
0: Now, are the surgeries performed here?
1: No. So the Iowa Humane Alliance Bay Neuter Clinic has a wonderful transport vehicle that picks them up from us and takes them back to the surgery clinic. Um... Iowa Humane Alliance, their focus was bringing low-cost spay and neuter to eastern Iowa. Not everybody can get to Cedar Rapids, and so they wanted to make it accessible by partnering with local shelters and other clinics to be drop-off and receiving and scheduling places. So um, at least if you can get your animal to us on a scheduled day and time, then they, they get it the rest of the way.
0: Well, 900 to 1,000 animals how many people do you have to take care of all those animals?
1: Yeah, so that's something. We all need more staffing. I'm sure it's kind of a nationwide shortage. We, uh, on average, we have about three people every day that, that are here taking care of them. Um, we, we always need more than that. So um, I think we're always hiring to add to the team. Um, but we in total have anywhere between 10 and 15 employees at any given time. One of the things that we're also proud of that as far as our employment opportunities is that we do a lot of supportive employment. Um, we have individuals, we have three people that we have hired through Advanced Employment Services and also through Optime. Uh, we also do school programming and work with other programs um, for people that need job assessment or even there's programs like Promise Jobs out there where people just need the opportunity to get out in the community to kind of determine what they want to do and what their skill sets are to help get them ready for the workforce. So we partner with a lot of local groups to get people ready for the workforce to identify skill sets. So there's a lot of different things people can help with here, whether it's just from cleaning, folding laundry, sweeping a floor, mopping, some of those basic day-to-day tasks that we all sort of take for granted are a lot of things that individuals for a wide range of reasons maybe have barriers to those skill sets so we offer that opportunity as well
0: so not only do they have a job they have a chance to to learn more yes now what type of personality goes with a good employee to work with these animals
1: Well, I think that is one of the things that we're very fortunate to have. You know, this isn't just a job. You know, most people are in a career that they may not love. They're doing it for the paycheck. I think... We're fortunate to know that our staff are here because they love the animals and they're here because they care. Um, no one is getting a big paycheck by doing the hard work here, so uh, we are very fortunate that you—you know—the kindness and compassion that our employees have is just remarkable. Um, we've been in a lot of tough situations and undesirable situations where the staff are expected to go out and deal with circumstances that your average person may not be comfortable dealing with, and. Um, our staff just exceed my expectations by their willingness to go above and beyond to do whatever the animals need, no matter what the situation is.
0: Now, obviously, you're that type of person. You, how long have you worked here for Paws and More?
1: This will be my 19th year here at Paws and More.
0: Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Now, you weren't executive director the whole time, I'm guessing.
1: No, I was here for a couple of years um, and then I left and worked at a different shelter for a couple of years. And then I came back many, many years ago.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's, that's really something. <laughs> what, what do you find uh, keeps you coming back every day, year after year to get you to 19 years that you're like, I, I gotta go there or that's, there's a reason I go to pause more every day. What, what is that?
1: Well, of course it's the animals. I mean, I think we're all here for the animals and we know that they depend on us no matter if it's a blizzard or it's a rainstorm. You know, we're still, they need care and they need love. And these animals are here and, you know, we're all that they have left at this point. You know, either they were abandoned, they were neglected, or they've lost their owner for whatever reason, or they were already just homeless out on the streets, and so when you come to us, we're really your last stop for that moment in time, and they depend on us. So, um, you know, of course, that is the big motivation, and we love them. I mean, the compassion and love that the animals give back to us every day is the reward. Um, But, you know, the other big part of it is that the community depends on us and our volunteers, our board. I mean, every board member that's ever served this shelter, they're all volunteer, and You know, we just have such community support that, you know, how can you not get up every day and come to a job where you have love from everyone around you?
0: And you can, I can tell I'm not a frequent visitor here, but I've been in here a few times and every time I come in the animals, they feel. it looks to me that they feel very much at home.
1: Yeah. We, uh, we model a lot of, uh, kind of progressive and we always are following the new enrichment protocols and shelter guidelines that exist out there now. There's a lot of national um, standards of care and we really do pride ourselves on, you know, meeting those standards or exceeding those standards whenever possible. So even just by putting a Facebook post out that says we need cardboard boxes, I mean, that's a silly thing to ask for, but cardboard boxes are the favorite thing to a cat. So you may notice at any given time, the majority of our cat cages always have a cardboard box in there because they need that and they love it. So um, enrichment is, is a huge focus of ours. Um, it's so I, much more than just cleaning and food and water. You
0: know? I saw, I I understand that. I saw a uh, meme on Facebook today, uh-huh. and it had a cat with a sweater in a box. Mm-hmm and it was returning it, the gift, uh-huh. and it says, I'd like to return this sweater, but I want to keep the box. Yeah,
1: I mean, they, they, <laughs> there's, there's research and studies. I mean, this is it's very true. And so there's there's just knowing the simple things that don't cost anything that take one extra second to make sure that they have. Um,
0: In a way, that that's kind of like kids. There's yeah. a lot of times kids get a big gift, and the next thing you know, they're, they're playing with the box. Yeah
1: box yeah Yeah. so just being aware of that and you know we also pride ourselves on keeping a very clean environment i think that's the foundation of any kind of facility like ours you know disease control is so important but it's it's also just you know they don't want to smell their own waste either you know imagine how sensitive we are to the odor and their senses are a lot more sensitive than ours so it's just as offensive to them as it is to us as a matter of fact so Um, Cats by nature are very clean creatures and do not want their space to be messy. So, um, you know, years ago, our state inspector had told us that our cats were the healthiest cats he had ever seen by all the shelters in our region that he inspects through the Department of Ag. So, um, you know, that was, that made us feel pretty good about the quality of care. And so we're always looking at ways to increase quality of care.
0: Oh, I bet that did. And, you know, we talked about boxes and I noticed on Facebook the other day you, your organization put out that you needed some help with, uh, cat food and things like that. And all of a sudden you had a bunch of boxes with stuff in it here.
1: Yeah. I think we've had over 60 boxes donated. And now as you came in today, the delivery guy, I think he said there were 12 more that are at the desk now that ready to be unloaded. So, you know, and that's, that's the other thing, you know, how can you come to work every day? What keeps you coming? It's just knowing that support. I mean, we are so fortunate to have such a, community that cares and people from all over can donate and you know having the internet of course now we use it more than ever since COVID and um, it just makes it so easy I'm so touched by the people that aren't even local that have never even met us that will donate so it's um, we just have a very large reach and it's it's wonderful
0: and that's got to feel good and make you as executive director think that hey we're doing some things right here
1: yeah I sure hope so yeah yeah absolutely
0: (laughs) Well, I would say so. Now, um, out of the nine hundred to a thousand animals a year that you folks are helping and taking care of, how many would you say get adopted and get into a new home?
1: Oh my gosh, I would say almost all of them. I should know this. I've been working on our year-end numbers, but um, so you know, you mentioned earlier on, you know, that we're like a no-kill facility, and that's one of the. So one of the things that we work towards too with the community is not labeling shelters. I think, you know, 30 years ago, there was kind of these labels of kill, no kill and low kill. And um, we don't want people to label shelters. What they need to be understanding is their shelter's policies and procedures and resources. So we absolutely do euthanize for behavior and health. I mean, if you are an unsafe dog that we do not have resources for that has bitten several people, or we know you're going to attack and kill another dog, or maybe you've already done that. You know, we also pride ourselves in making the most humane, responsible decisions that we possibly can. Um, you know, and if it's a terminally ill kitty, of course, we're not going to let us sit there and suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, talking about this is important because there are shelters that are truly no kill that will have a dog I can there's several of them that I'm aware of that will keep a dog in a cage that no one can touch for 10 years and watch it spin in circles and it's like a prisoner in prison that gets their food tray slid in and slid out and you know they hose the kennel with the dog in it every day and to me that is a form of torture, that is no quality of life. And so, you know, euthanasia is a really important subject in this industry because of course, no one wants to euthanize an animal, but sometimes it's the best, most humane thing that we can offer them. Um, And so with that being said, I mean, we have an extremely low euthanasia rate. Um, Our euthanasia rate is less than 3% of our overall intake. So it usually teeters around one to 2%. Um, And when looking at the animals that we do have to make that difficult choice for, majority of them end up being the tiny, unweaned bottle baby kittens that come in that are not thriving, that we've done everything for, and and they're just suffering. And so um, that is the majority of of our euthanasia, is those little guys that come in really compromised Um, And then, you know, we have a handful of pretty aggressive dogs every year that we're dealing with. You know, we assist law enforcement a lot with tough situations, and not all those dogs are able to be saved. Um, But we are fortunate to have a great foster program and a great local dog trainer named Whitney Gibbs that we work with whenever possible um, to do behavior modification, to do training, to work on, you know, to identify can this animal just have a specific environment that we can find a resource for um and so but I think it's just important to understand that no shelter is no kill truly and if they truly are it's it's actually a pretty inhumane place Mm -hmm. um and we pride ourselves in being a revolving door a shelter should be a short-term stop for the vulnerable animals and um our average length of stay for a dog is less than three weeks once it's up for adoption and our average length of stay for a cat is about a month. And so we are really proud of that because no, nobody should live in a cage for very long, but um, we certainly do not have a time limit though. And I think, I think a lot of people associate no kill or kill shelters with having that time limit, you know, like, You've got 2 weeks and you're done, yeah. you know. We <coughs> adopt we, this
0: dog or it's all yeah, over. Yeah. We yeah.
1: work really, really hard on adoption placement and adoption promotion. It's where the majority of our time is spent so that we don't get Bottlenecked and have a space problem. So we keep the animals revolving and moving so that we don't have to make a tough choice. And
0: I want to point out from the porch right now, in the yard, the fenced-in yard, there is a family right now that's uh, becoming acquainted with a, a little four-legged furry... Yeah. Free dog, is that like a Shiba Emu type? Yeah. yeah good okay. job, you're right. <laughs> thank you, thank you.
1: You know that little guy was a stray. And, and beautiful
0: colors about. too, kind of a goldish color to it. Yeah. So tell me more about that dog.
1: Well, there, there's those circumstances, too, where they come in and we think for certain there's an owner that's going to reclaim them. And yeah. this Shiba Inu is a great example. He was found near Kelowna, and I thought for sure the minute we posted him, there would be an owner at our door. Sure. But we're over the seven days now, and no owner has come forward for him. And so he's going to go up for adoption.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, when I'm, what I'm seeing from here, it looks like he's probably going to get adopted because that young lady is sure, and then the young boy, young man, and they're sure... Cuddling up to him right now—that's yeah. for sure. Which is really cool. I, I this is wonderful to yeah. to sit here and see this. I'm glad you picked this spot for us to to have our conversation. It's wonderful. He, look at that. He's just like I'm ready to go home with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Well, because you've got nine hundred to a thousand uh, animals a year, and you've got anywhere from fifteen employees, and I'm sure lots of other volunteers. Uh, this building really isn't that big. No. And I've heard rumors and talk that you folks are thinking of a new location and a yeah. little expansion. Can How much of that can you tell me about?
1: Sure, absolutely. So at the beginning of 2022, we uh, were getting ready to, our goal was to put in a new floor at the shelter. We were hoping to get in a more durable floor and after more, Research and we had several contractors in and foundation people. Long story short, um, it was determined that the structure, our structure, wasn't sound enough for the type of flooring we wanted. And then a next step was that really the, the entire facility isn't that structurally sound either, hmm. in that it needs substantial work done to make it more sound um, that far exceeds the value of the overall building. You know, and I think anybody that's familiar with Washington, we've always been tucked back here. This building was an old pottery place. We've cobbled it together with fundraising over the years and gotten a lot of grants every year to kind of retrofitted to suit our needs and it's really been the only home of the shelter um for the last 22 years this building was purchased in the year 2000 and we've been renovating it ever since through grants and um fundraising efforts and what is the address here 1004 and a half west madison street we're yeah we're and we're, we're
0: kind of behind the KCs um and the ivy wine wine, and spirits. wine spirits, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, you know, there's anybody that is familiar with the area. I mean, everyone has told me we've put lipstick on a pig and <laughs> uh, I feel that they're true. And, you know, ultimately, we, you know, we didn't want to put good money after bad. And we, we knew this is not a permanent solution for the next 50 to 100 years. Right. So we realized that we needed to do some soul searching and do some thinking and more research and We are in the silent phase now of our um, capital campaign to build a new building. Uh, we are in negotiation right now with land. Hopefully within the next two weeks, we'll be able to announce our land and where we're going to be building. So you um, can't
0: tell me today.
1: I cannot tell you today. Okay, but I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> You'll be the first to know. Okay. Uh, and so once we get our land secured, that will help us get the ball rolling on some other things. You know, In any capital campaign, you pretty much spend your first year really working with your corporate sector and your grants. And so we want to secure... A good, good portion of, of the funds that we need before we start asking our, our regular folks and our current donors to help us out. So, but it doesn't mean we can't talk about it because it's really exciting. And you know, we currently sit in about four thousand square foot, and our goal is to be between eight and ten thousand square feet. Um, we do have an architect hired. Um, we've got some really great designs already in the works that we'll be sharing. Um, so you know right now this facility also even if it wasn't falling apart um you know it still doesn't offer the isolation that we need um one of the things about our this type of facility is that it actually requires um more air exchanges than even your average hospital does because of the animal pollutants and the the feces and the urine like we have to have special air systems that exchange air 15 times every hour on average um So we obviously need really non-porous surfaces, lots of concrete, lots of drains everywhere. And so just the infrastructure alone that goes into it without making anything prettier, looking at cosmetic stuff, Mm -hmm. it's very expensive. Um, We are working, there's a couple shelters around us now. There's one in Cedar Rapids and one in Fort Madison that are building right now, and they're at $300 a square foot. So we're easily on a path to raise $3 million and we're Pretty sure it will go above that. Um, so hopefully within two years, um, it's our plan that we'll have raised $3 million, um, and be breaking ground at year three.
0: That is amazing. If someone listening to this would like to contribute financially, What's the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, they can, they can stop in and hand us a check. They can um, mail, of course, snail mail, or we are, we are on Venmo and PayPal through our website as well. And,
0: and what is your website?
1: Our website is pawsandmorewashington.org. Okay. And uh, if they wanted to label it growth fund is what we're calling that currently.
0: Okay. Well, I hope all you folks with deep pockets that are listening right now remember pause and more. Yeah. Right Now, um, kind of switching gears a little bit, I think you've got come, something coming up this weekend that's kind of important.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, we talked a little bit about, we focus so much on adoption. I mean, the goal is to get these animals out the door. And we know it's our job as a nonprofit to fundraise and raise money in other ways. So one of the things that we do to reduce barriers to adoption is waiving adoption fees and um, and so this weekend, we are we are really full with kitties right now with the cold weather um, and the economy. We just kind of had a heavy influx of cats come in. And so we are a little crowded and, you know, it's not healthy for them to be crowded. And so we want to get cats adopted with the new year now. Everybody's kind of... The busyness of the holidays are over, so we hope everybody will come out and adopt a cat this weekend. So all adoption fees for cats are waived um, on Saturday and Sunday. The process is still the same. We still do what we call conversational adoption. We talk with you. We have you fill out the paperwork. We try to make the right match with you. We want to make sure we're putting the right animal in your environment and that we're meeting the needs of your expectations of the animal as well. Um, and so we still have a kind of a screening process, if you will, that we go through, but we try to make it, you know, again, not like this pass or fail judgment. People feel like I'm not good enough to come adopt a cat, but we just want to make sure it's the right match for you. You know, some people fall in love with an animal that we're like, hold on a minute. That guy's like really frisky and I don't think he's actually what you want like you know maybe they want the lab cat and
0: kind of give them some help yeah. find out what the right cat for them is
1: yeah so we're really excited and usually when we do our fee waived events it, it'll result in 20 to 30 adoptions and that's that, awesome that's very impactful for these for these animals and again you know our focus isn't so much on that adoption revenue I mean the goal is to get them into homes you know the longer mm-hmm. they sit here in these cages the less happier and healthier they are. So,
0: right. well that is awesome. And that is that the 7th and 8th of January?
1: Yes. Yep, yep, so come huh. on this weekend. And you
0: know what is the 8th of January as well? Mm-mm. That was Elvis's birthday.
1: Oh, maybe we should do an Elvis theme that day.
0: Yeah, maybe put a couple cats <laughs> in Elvis jumpsuits. Little Elvis wig and little little uh, balloon that says thank you. Thank you very much for adopting me. We should. We should make a <laughs> backdrop.
1: There yes. you go.
0: And it's something to think about. You know, I come up with some crazy ideas once in a while. Amber, I really appreciated your time today. Is there anything that we should have touched on that we did not touch on?
1: Well, I would just say that, you know, I think I think a lot of people this is one of the things I hear over and over again that people want to help but they just they, they don't feel like they can or if they stop out here, it'll just be too sad for them and it's been a barrier. It's like they want to do more. And, and I would just say that our volunteer process is, is very painless. It's a link that you can go to on our website and you fill out a survey and then our volunteer coordinator contacts you. And I just want to say that there are there are hundreds of ways to help the shelter without ever actually having to come to the shelter. Or see the animals or feel sad and I understand that it, it can feel overwhelming to see the animals in the cages and and we totally respect that but I just want everyone to know that there are so many ways that you can help. We do a lot of events that are off site, um, that we need help with even just bussing tables at pizza ranch. You know, we do the various restaurant tip nights, um, that that's a real easy way. We need people to come help us tables for two hours at a, at a restaurant, you know? And so, um, there's a lot of remote work that can be done as well. like through our volunteering or data management or just helping with um, animal pictures and getting things sent to where they need to be sent. So uh, I guess just don't be afraid, you know, as we start this new year, everybody's New Year's resolutions, but if you're thinking about helping, you know, try to to still just connect with us because I'm sure that there is so much people can do that they don't realize that, you know, they don't actually have to step in the door if that makes them too sad.
0: Well, I highly encourage all listeners of Southeast Iowa Today on Round Guy Radio to take Amber's advice and give Paws and More uh, a thought and consideration as you decide how to volunteer and how to give this year. And Amber, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That was Executive Director of Paws and More Amber Talbot joining me on Southeast Iowa today, presented by Griner Autobody of Washington, Iowa, using state of the art techniques and decades of experience to get your car back on the road after an accident and car doctor of Washington, Iowa. No matter who Frankensteined it, they can fix and clean and customize it. I'm your host, John Bain. On behalf of Round Guy Radio, stay friendly, Southeast Iowa.